The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Okay, so this is officially a new topic, uh, but uh, I feel I felt kind of bad that we didn't really wrap up the last one because we ended on a cliffhanger. Uh, and uh, but it's just the, the sugi has grown too stale for me. So I figure, how can I like address that topic without making it feel like we're regressing? Uh, and I think since the goal is to like you know go through the Shimon Esrei. Maybe what we should do is at the beginning of each time, do a like very brief review of just like one sentence versions of the idea, you know, uh, of what we covered. So we did so we're going to do a little bit more than that this time, but so I think we had four ideas. Okay. Tell me if, if, if this, uh, I know it's been two weeks now since the last time we did it. One was the idea uh, and uh, this is for us. This is not for someone who's learning this for the first time. Okay. So I'm not going to elaborate on anything. Mm-hmm. So first was the idea of you need a matir for Shevach because otherwise it's distortion. Second idea was, um, that this is not in order. The second idea was that, um, that you are, uh, recognizing the possibility that you might slip up and re and, and the realization that you could slip up and that you need help with that brings to mind the idea of that you don't just casually go in front of a king and just say whatever comes to your mind. Uh, the third idea was that it is um, asking Hashem for assistance. No. Don't remember the third one. And then the fourth one was the idea from the context of the Tillim, which is what we ended off with, which is that the Perak of Adashim Sifzai Tiftach and the Perak of Yul Aratzon are both about uh, Teshuva and Vidui. And that we said that that bracketing your tefillah with psukim of tshuva and vidui frames your tefillah in the context of tshuva. And our remaining question was, what does that mean? But we did have one idea as a standalone, which is David Amalek said, Hashem Tiftach, by saying, basically, I am not worthy of coming before you. And that's different than the Rambam's idea of, I can't do a Maise Shavach because it's absurd. Um, uh, and it's also different from just, I need to be careful when I'm in front of a king. So that's an idea that we get from the, the context, which is that realizing your lowly state coming before God. And did anyone end up thinking of why, what it means that we're framed, why we need to frame tefillah in terms of tshuva or like what that accomplishes or how it changes things? Um, I'm sorry. You know, tomorrow, go ahead. Um, so I don't know. This is maybe this is something I think I'm remembering from the last year as part of the discussion. But I, I thought that we were saying that um, that maybe it's also just the context of like having requests that when you ask for stuff, if you were rebellious and then asked for something ah, without an acknowledgement, that. that would be like like All right. That's uh, definitely true. Dis- <laughs> Brazen distorted. Yeah, right, right. Basically. We did say that 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 recognizing that you are so undeserving because you sin against Hashem and you rebel against Hashem, so to go in front of Hashem and have requests is is uh, is brazen. So you need to, to acknowledge that through the Hashem's inside Tiftah. Yeah, Chaim, what were you going to say? The framing tshuva, framing tefillah tshuva. Okay, I'll just say throw out one idea before because I want to get to this new topic. Is um, is, and it's, it could be I said this last time. The mitzvah of tshuva is framed as um, and when you so it, it's your chet lifnei Hashem, and then when you say vidui, it's ana Hashem that it's lifnei Hashem, and when you do tshuva, like the Ram talks about in Perak Zion, it's shuvah Yisrael ad Hashem you're returning to Hashem. So the whole institution of tefillah, from chet to vidui to restoration, is uh, an institution of lifnei Hashem. Tefillah is also an institution of lifnei Hashem. Okay, so I think on a very basic level, if you were to engage in being and that state of being did not evoke the recognition of the need to do tshuva, then that's a severe lack in your So in other words, Chazal incorporated an idea of the other side of the coin of the Omi you know, is for Shavach, Bakasha, and Hoda, which is really like interacting with Hashem. But then Tefillah is really a inward process, sorry, Tshuva is really an inward process of self-examination and bringing yourself back to being Lifnei Hashem, you know? So if you were to, again, I'm not saying why they did it, but I'm saying if you were to engage in being Omi Lifnei Hashem in Tefillah and Tshuva doesn't enter your mind, I would question whether you're actually being Omi Lifnei Hashem. Mm-hmm. And so, so to bring that to mind, to bring to mind the full scope of what it means to be only living in Hashem with all of its implications, which 
Shuva is the main one. So then you need to uh, to highlight that idea explicitly. And then Chazal did that by bracketing it with those two psokim. That's my elementary theory. Isaiah, did you have a question? I saw your hand flash up. Um, or a comment? I wanted to say it to like say it slightly differently sure. about. Um, yeah, I don't know if maybe you could have a comment of like this is maybe not true, but like maybe you could say teshuva uh, tefillah is just inherently teshuva, or like the process of tefillah as like a reflecting on one's self in the framework of Hashem, yeah. sort of like a, you know, you're you're affecting your own soul and like bettering it by doing that. So like doing to doing tefillah like inherently leads to. Yeah, so we, we uh, Ken and I tried taking that approach, and I think we, we ended up confusing ourselves about like uh, talking about how similar tefillah and shuva are, because both of them are processes of self-reflection. Um, so that is definitely an approach. <laughs> I just, last time I tried taking that, it didn't work out. So you can think about that yourself. I also want to just make known to you that there is an additional idea, which I was going to give a whole shir on, but I am, I'm too tired of the sogia. Um, so it's going to have to just wait in the, in the, in the mind archives, um, which is if you look at Rabbeinu Yona on this Gemara, uh, Rabbeinu Yona on the riff, Rabbeinu Yona has a completely different approach, which is based on the fact that that um, he says in the context of the Perikintelen in Nunalef, it's uh, I'll just go there. I hope this doesn't turn into a whole on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, again, I felt I felt bad not not uh, wrapping this up. So I'm, this is me wrapping it up and feeling bad and discharging my guilt. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> because you don't want a korban, or I would give it ola lo an ola you do not desire. Okay, so why flame shot in terms of the parak? Why is he saying God doesn't want a zevach and he doesn't want an ola? I think you give two possible reasons. What? So one answer is the whole classic Navi answer, which is people would think that you could just appease God with with korbanos, and they wouldn't do tshuva. Right. And according to that reading, it makes sense that it says, the real offerings of God, uh, the real sacrifices to God are a broken spirit and a heart that is broken and crushed that God will not despise. Right. So that's saying that you don't want the Korban. The Korban is just a vehicle for doing, oops, I'm not sharing the screen. The Korban is just a vehicle for doing tshuva and you really want tshuva. That's how I would have interpreted it. What is another reason why context specific? With David's situation here, why does he saying God does not want a korban? Is it also possible that the leaders do that? That's a third, uh, another reason, which is the Ramam's thing, that God does not have a, for lack of a better term, primary raton for korbanos. It's like a like a concession to human nature. So you could definitely take that approach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this is true, but in order to bring a korban, you have to like have done to shuvah on the thing. That's true. But I guess it's not really an Ola or Zavah. Yeah, but you're getting warmer. It has to do with the hate that he did, yeah? Um, more of a question. Um, if we're related to like Corbanos being the instrument, I guess, to do to shuvah, right? Yeah. So, kind of to put that in analogy terms, like if it was an actual instrument, to shuvah would be the sound, so to speak. Is that like a fair comparison? Uh, I don't know if it's like no. up, right, because he's, no, you don't need the korban. no, tshuva, if a, in instrument comparison, shuva would be the the blowing on the instrument and the sound would be the kapara or something like oh, that. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, what, so the shim was batsheva. Yeah. So, why doesn't want God want a korban for the the chay with batsheva? Because it was intentional, and you can't bring a uh, korban on a chay b'mezid or on on, on an avon b'mezid, right? You can only bring korbanos on shogeg. Yeah. So, Rabbi Yona takes that approach and says that's why David is saying you don't want a korbanos. Because Korbanos are not going to help with my with my sin. So then Rabbi Yona makes somewhat of a jump and says, and nowadays we don't have Korbanos at all. So just like David had to make recourse to, to, to Tfila for Kapara, so too we need to make recourse to Tfila for Kapara. Because mm-hmm. we don't have any Korbanos. Mm-hmm. So so the question on that, again, is just if you want to work on it, is um, what's the idea of Tfila as Kapara, first of all? You know, and the other thing is. You know, if you look through the Roman Hilfus Tshuva Perak Aleph, he says, now that we don't have a base Megadosh, ain't lano ella Tshuva. All we have left is Tshuva. Tshuva is how we get Kapara. So it's weird that the Rabbinian Yoda makes it sound like all we have is Tefillah. Of course, Rabbinian Yoda is not denying Tshuva. He wrote the Shari Tshuva, but, you know, but um, but he's saying that that's why we bring this Adashim Sifasai Tiftach is to bring to mind the idea that Tefillos are B'makom Korbanos. Mm. And he has a whole thing on that. 
So um, that's the that's the approach that we did not take, but just so you know that it exists. Okay. So if you want to get a seer, you don't have to unless you needed to see the word Baruch, because that's all we're doing tonight. Okay. Yeah. Can you repeat again why you would doubt you're standing before God? Do you have to deny? Yeah, because standing before God is means that you are reflecting on like who you are, who God is, and where you fit into God's universe, like what you are looking at, you know, in, 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 in the scheme of things. Right. So Shuva is a process of, of standing with Hashem and seeing where you fit in, in line with God's will and such. So it's almost a, I don't want to call it a contradiction because it's, I would say it's more of a, like a chisaron. It's like a incompleteness. If you're standing before God, allegedly examining yourself in the Tila sense, but you're not moved to do tshuva. How can you examine yourself and stand before God if you're not doing tshuva? <laughs> yeah, you could always have some dumb lines, but that's, that's not, uh, that's not, spoiler. yeah, yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now moving on. Good. Only 11 minutes. I fear this would be half an hour. <laughs> okay. Um, so Baruch HaTashan came al So really technically we're starting the Amidah. Um, but because, and so that technically only says, but I kind of want to take up the whole sugya of Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam because that's going to be more common. And the brachos, the, the, you know, um, first brachos, this one ends with that. So we're going to have to get there anyway, but we're going to start with Baruch. Okay. Uh, and not even, I mean, it's Baruch Atah Hashem, but there's a whole separate year on Atah. Oh, I want to say also, um, this is actually a rehash of a series of shirim I did. Yeah, so I did the five minute kavana. This is a sheer series I produced in um, uh, in the very beginning of when I first came to yeshiva, and I made five minute videos where I went through ideas of tefillah. But it was so hard to get these ideas. Like what I'm going to do now is a hour version of a sheer that I did in five minutes. Okay, so so the reason the only reason I'm telling you this is not so you can like listen ahead and like get all the answers, um, but it's so that if you ever want to review any of the ideas we go over. I mean, I'm sure we're going to say new stuff also, but like you can get five minute versions of the ideas. And this is, I think only on YouTube. Um, oh, did I write that? No, it's just, it's just uh, improves. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. 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 So if you go on YouTube and you type five minute Kavana, then you'll find the, the videos. I don't know if this is on the Tefillah podcast. Um, no, it's not. Yeah. So it's only available on YouTube. Okay. So that, that's uh um, if you want it. Okay. But so, so the question is, um, right. What do we mean? Okay. And I, since some of you already know the answer to that, um, then I'm going to try to convince you that we're going to go way more in depth than you ever thought was possible. What I did was I basically compiled all the Rishonim who talk about what the term Baruch means. And the way I see it is they're going to all say the similar, similar ideas, you okay there? <laughs> Got a drinking problem. Um, <laughs> um, uh, you, uh, they all overlap, but our goal is going to be, we're going to talk about the main idea, but then we're going to see what nuances do each of them bring to the table. And there are many, many nuances. Okay. Um, so rather than asking point blank, point blank, what is the idea of Baruch Hashem? What's the problem on the surface with the notion of saying Baruch Hashem? Oh, so well, what? Part a. Um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, the problem is like, who are we to tell God what he is? Okay, who are we to tell God what he is? Now, that's that's well, the, the problem. The, yeah, that's the general problem of Shabbat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tamar, um, I guess if you interpret it as like well wishing, it's not really applicable to God, right? Uh, is that really? okay? Yeah, that's the main problem, right? Is yeah, if you look uh, at all the cases in Torah where, where um, one being blesses another. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's supposed to be a gas gun on the swaddle, but it didn't come up on so. Okay. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, if you look at all the other cases in Torah where one being blesses another, whether that's one person blessing another or whether that's God blessing someone, the giver of the bracha is bestowing something or asking for something to be bestowed upon the recipient, right? So when Yitzchak blesses Yaakov and Esav, he's he's giving them something or he's asking Hashem to give them something. And when Hashem blesses us, Baruch Baruch right? Baruch whatever the rest of the puzzle is, you know? So he's saying you will be blessed. Or when Hashem, Hashem uh, um, what's the first Baruch in Torah? 
Trick question. Trick question. No, no, no. The uh, the the fish. Yeah, the fish. Yeah, yeah. yeah the fish. The fish and the birds. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's very good. So in on the end of day five. Yeah. Uh, it says after God creates the fish and the birds. By Varach Osam Elokim Lemor Pru Urhu Milos Arts. Sorry, as a mind by Mimu Vaovir of Arts. Saying that the fish that filled the land would not be a blessing, would be a curse. Um, and then he gives a similar blessing to Adam and Chava. Um, so it's all giving something or expressing a, I was going to say like a tefillah or a wish for something to be bestowed. Okay. So when you say, Baruch Hashem, the problem is, can't do that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So since I think we probably know the answer. No, it's Okay, well, we are going to do that. Well, what's okay? What, what's the what have you what, what's what have you heard as the answer? God is the source of bracha. Okay, so this is the this is what I said that all the Mufarshim say, but so we're going to read it in the Mufarshim, but then uh, look at the nuances, and there are a lot of nuances. Well, we'll see, we'll see. Okay, so the Abu Dhiram in the Brachas of Shachar starts off, Baruch Hashem. He says, so first of all, he identifies the Pasuk because every phrase comes from a Pasuk. Okay, we uh, a student of halacha who who has been through Hilchos Brachos should uh, be familiar with this pasuk. When, when when does this come up in halacha? I mean, when, we mess up on a when you mess up on a bracha, if you find yourself, I'll just say it in case people don't know, if you start to say a bracha and they realize that you shouldn't say a bracha or that that like it would be a bracha of the you say and you just finish because then you're saying a whole pasuk and it's not a bracha. You're converting into a pasuk. Okay, um, yeah. So that's where the phrase comes from. If we have time tonight, we'll get to that in context. Okay, you can see what parak it's in. Yes, the big one. The big one, right? Uh, the parak, and we actually, you, you can guess if I said, if, if I did tell you where, where in the parak it is, you would guess it's in the beginning because yeah. it's in the base section. Um, uh, so we, uh, the it's not the first one. It's the oh. fourth one, fifth one. Oh, I forgot there's eight. Not yeah, there's eight in each one. So we actually, last year, does anyone remember, did we finish, I know we did Aleph. Did we finish the base or did we just uh, set it up? I feel like it was one of the last things we did before the summer. In the big parak. In the big parak, yeah. Right. Where we treated each one as its own thing. We may have just said it up. Okay, fine. So I, I maybe you can check there and see if we got further, but maybe if we have time tonight, we'll, we'll see this in context. But then he explains. He says, Baruch inu lashon pa'ul ela kmo rachum v'chanun. Okay, so baruch is not a verb. You're not saying, may God be blessed, but like receive blessings. Okay, rather it is a um, it is an adjective like Rachum and Hanun. You know, I was thinking about this uh, on my way here this morning randomly. Uh, that I was thinking, I wonder how many people still know that I don't answer the chat during a shear, and uh, and I was like, maybe I should tell people. And then I always feel bad that I don't actually check the chat, but I have to stay firm. I'm not going to check the chat during shear. So if, whoever whoever typed in the chat. Um, uh, either you're gonna have to say it, or you're gonna have to tell someone else to say it. Because I'm not gonna read the chat. Uh, that's my policy. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so baruch is uh, is an adjective. Kmo rachum v'chanun. What does it mean? Shehu atzmo hu mekor habrachos. He himself is the source of brachos. Ve'eno mekablim mekablam echem. He doesn't receive them from others. So the examples he gives is rachum does not mean that God is the recipient of acts of mercy. Chanun does not mean he is the recipient of the acts of graciousness. It means he is the one that mercy comes from. He is the one who graciousness comes from. So Baruch means he is the source of bracha. Okay. And what does, uh, let's see if the BDB dictionary on all Torah um, says this. Yeah, Ayala. I can't see the Abu Jaham unless it's still the old oh, screen that we're looking at. Thank you. Uh, I think I accidentally shared just the part of the screen thank you for saying something um what is this yeah um what is the word bra- so i know we translate bracha as blessing anyone else know what uh bracha means yeah fountain, fountain. okay yeah. good good a lot of people don't know that also over means over knees over yeah uh let's just see if he says it here it might just not show up in this part of the diction let me actually check breathless mind is a uh, phrase that we say sometime. <laughs> Breakless. Is that in anyone recognize that phrase? Breakless mime. I know it looks like brachos mime. Is that a pasuk? Let's see. Um, uh, oh, I didn't. Uh, just while we're waiting, 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I was going through the halachas of who can be the shliach tzibur um, last week, and um, and one of the halachos is uh, there it is in Kohalas. That's how I know it. Um, is that uh, you? Uh, for a I was going to say court appointed shliach tzibur, but a, a congregation appointed shliach tzibur. One of the requirements is he needs to be a bucky in Nivim Ksuvim. He needs to be fluent in the in the in the psukim. I don't know what bucky means, but this is why because. So many of the psukim, so many, so many of the phrases in tefillah come from psukim. So brechos, let's see what the BDB says here. Pool or pond, but I think Ellie's right though. It means a, it means a, a like a wellspring. Okay, like yihimokorcha baruch, may your wellspring be blessed. Means like may it flow abundantly. You know, so so that's like the imagery. Chas have imagery about God, but like that that all blessings flow from God. Okay, so that's the basic idea. Of Baruch. So that's why if you are, I know um, our scroll translates as blessed are you Hashem uh, in every bracha. I think the way I probably all can remember this when I would teach this in um, in Shahavit whenever we would translate bracha. I think the more correct translation is you Hashem are the source of blessing. Uh, I, I, that's a more accurate idea uh, instead of just saying blessed are you because first of all who says blessed are you source of blessing is like an actual sentence that you can like have kavana for yeah Ellie? um so you said in this context it's an adjective uh it, it that yeah i mean he doesn't say that but that's how i'm interpreting it because rachman and Hanun are adjectives or 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 a um i mean there's no okay we can't put it in adjective term um in english no blessingful yeah, I guess I would know. be would be like yeah, blessingful would be like the, the way to say it, like I, full of blessing. I guess what I wanted to ask though is, um, is there any other time that we use bracha in this context? You mean other than uh, about Hashem? Yeah, like anytime we're uh, attributing a source of some sort of attribute or a source of some sort. Of- uh, good question. I don't know. I don't know you Well, yeah, let me make sure I understand the question. Also, are you saying specifically with the word baruch, or are you saying this verb form or this uh, this uh, word the, form? Uh, baruch. Baruch, yeah, or do we use that about anything else other than Hashem? That's the, like the source of. Uh, you say like a person is Baruch. You say like a person can be Baruch. Yeah, or like let's say for example, if you said, I don't know if we ever say this, but like your your field is Baruch, like the, in that it it gives forth lots of fruits. You know, like, like do we ever say that? Is there a field is blessed? Say again. Yeah. Is there an idea of blessing your parents for certain things? I don't know because you could, you know, say that they provide... Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm I, not sure. I don't know the answer. Yeah? I, mean, I feel like this is an unfair question, but I want to ask it anyway. I feel like maybe it's not an apostolate, so maybe that's why they didn't do it, but I feel like there's a different way that you could conjugate this sentence such that it would, like, express that idea expressly. Because Which sentence? Like, the... oh, oh. I feel like you could say, Hashem hu ha-mevarich that's a whole, uh-huh. you know, like right? That, you know, like, uh, yeah. So I just, I don't know. Uh-huh. Like a valid question. I hear. Yeah. If I knew more grammar, I would be able to answer you about yeah, why yeah. that's different. But I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can give my my uh, layman grammatical intuition. This is not even grammatical intuition. This is just like meaning intuition. If you said, for example, "Who hamavarachasakol?" He is the one who blesses everyone. It would, it might show the idea that that all blessings come from Hashem, but it wouldn't show that like that he is the uh like wouldn't have the idea that okay i i i awful as we say yeah. that bracha resides in him that bracha is is in like is emerges from god himself so we'll use the word emerge in hebrew instead uh, i'm saying like <laughs> i mean my, my point is yeah not like is there a point to the ambiguity I mean, I don't, I don't know if you understand that. So I, what I, I'm trying to answer your question in a different way. I'm trying to say that if you just said Hashem is the blesser of everyone, it's referring to the fact that he does the acts of blessing and that all recipients of blessing have it from him, but it wouldn't show a quality in him. And that's what we're trying to do allegorically, that he has the quality of being Baruch, just like he has the quality of being Rahum and Hanun and Sadiq and Yashar. You know, we're trying to make this into a meet of a Kaddish Baruch, that's how I would say it. Uh, Saying he is Mivarak, everyone, is not a meet of a Kaddish Baruch. That's, okay. that's a, that ended up being a good question. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. yeah, David? We're learning this in the realm of Barachot, not in the realm of Tefillah, right? Uh, anytime you say the phrase Baruch Tashem, then, then this applies. But at the rest of our issue, we're not thinking about it. It's the same thing in Birz Mitzvah, Birz Filah, Shimon Esrei, Birz Gomel, all of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, because they set it up the, the same way. 
Okay. Ready for the next idea? You yeah. good? Okay. All right. So now we get to Rabbeinu Bachia ben Asher in the Katakemach, okay, which uh, you quoted, right, in your Devar Torah. I heard that. I was like, oh, no one ever quotes the Katakemach. For those who don't know what the Katakemach is, I, would you like to say? No, I'm just kidding. No, no. there's one. I don't remember. Um, I don't remember what. Like recently, like, yeah, yeah. The Devar Torah you gave in Shul. How many Devar Torahs have you given in Shul recently? It's like three weeks ago. Yeah. You remember giving a Devar Torah in Shul, like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the, like what cut? Okay, whatever. So the Kadakemach is a um, a Hashkafa book that Rabbi Bachi wrote that's in alphabetical order by topic. And you can it, it, it reads like Drushos, like like a Devar Torah or like essays, actually, is a better way to say it. So um, so like it's fun, it's one of those fun books that I don't know, I assume you should have a copy. You can like flip through and like see oh, what was Rabbi Bachi think about Hanukkah? What does he think about like Spiros Omer? What does he think about Yichud Hashem, you know, so it's a it's a good thing to know about. So in bracha he says, oh, so as I read this, you tell me what it reminds you of, okay? And I think the answer should be uh, pretty clear. Um, so brachos are not a need of God. They're a need of people. Because since he is the source of bracha, all brachos um, flow from him or emanate or or flow in a cause and effect chain would be the mishtal from him. Okay. And all of the existences who bless him, none of the brachos are fit for him, meaning like you can't actually like give brachos to him. He is the first existence. Who brought into existence all existences. And all their existence is only from his existence. Everyone needs him. His existence is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anyone at all. Uh, if everyone were to bless him all day, the and tell his uh, his praises, all day long, and all night. Um, what does mean? How do I translate it here? Uh, no, I'm not saying you quoted this, I'm saying you quoted oh, the Sefer. Okay, I was so confused. Okay, that's, that's why I confused. spent five minutes talking about the Sefer. Um, <laughs> yes. what could you give him? What could he take from you? The only benefit and uh, and abundance is is for us. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say it reminds me of the Rambam's, you know, bit, but then also no, just, just say, make sure they're talking about the same Rambam's bit. You said it's our, okay, yeah, 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 okay, good, yeah, yeah, right. And then it also reminded me at the end, yeah, of uh, maybe the Rambam says this too, I'm not remembering, but it reminds me of um, we say it, uh, it's a paragraph to him, I believe. Oh, it's uh, is it, is it Mishpas? The um, yeah, we were saying the Haggadah too, right? We're saying Mishpas and Haggadah, right? Yeah. So you know the part where it's like oh yeah yeah if all mouths were filled with song yeah, yeah, and all that yeah, stuff okay, yeah. yeah yeah right yeah that's true that's true yeah okay good I was gonna say it reminds me of three things right. uh, the the one I was hoping you would get is the Rambam right so let's talk about that first the Rambam's bit <laughs> yeah that's a bit he does like a comedy yeah. bit you know yeah yeah you said you yeah so let's read it again because you can never read this too much um, uh, unless you're one of the people who wants to burn it in which case once is too much. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, Yisodei Torah Aleph Aleph, uh, according to the correct Girsa. Yisodei Yisodei Svamada Chachmos, the foundation of foundations and the pillar of all sciences, Leda is to know, Shisham Matsuri that there exists a first existence, first not being in time, first being in, uh, in logical first or, or in by nature. Humamsi Kolhanimsa. And he brings him into existence uh, the entirety of existence, not like the Dufus Ramam say, he brings him into, into existence every existing thing, okay, which is true, but that's not the entirety of existence. All existences from heaven and earth and everything in between only exist because of the reality of his existence. If you were to think that he didn't, does not exist, Nothing else could exist. And if you could think that no other things exist besides him, he alone would exist. And he would not be negated by their negation. Because all existences, existences need him. And he, blesses he, does not need That's I've never noticed that before. That's significant. That's not just me saying, ooh. Uh, he doesn't need uh, them or any one of them. Lefikach, therefore, in amitaso amites hachamnehem. Therefore, his reality is not like the reality of any one of them. Who shen navi omer. This is what it means when it says, but Hashem Hashem God is real. 
He alone is the reality. No one else has reality like his reality. This is what the Torah and the bumper stickers say, say in Old Milvado. Okay, there's no, no one else besides him. I don't know if that's what the bumper stickers mean, but that's what they mean. Klomar meaning to say, There is no real existence like him uh, other than him that is like him. And then, uh, he, then he identifies that this Matui is the Adona Olam. Uh, yeah? What was Baruch with them here? Ah, uh, Olam. This God is the, uh, uh, the, sorry, this existence is the God of the world or the God of eternity. I'm not sure which one the Rama means here. I assume he means the God of the world because he's going to go on to talk about that. Uh, and he's speaking in Mishnayic Hebrew, he says, not Tanakh Hebrew. Adon Kola Ars, the Lord of the, all the earth. He causes the sphere to rotate uh, without any um, uh, end or uh, uh, or limit bekoch in la hefsek with a power that has no uh, that doesn't cease. Shagalga soviv tamid yevshar shiyisov lo masabiv because the the um the sphere rotates rotates constantly uh, and there's no one who can yevshar shiyisov lo masabiv. It's impossible for it to turn without a, a turner. Vuhu baruchu and he blesses he who masabiv also below yad below goof. He um, uh, causes it to rotate without a hand without a body. Before I call on you, side point here. Uh, I, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna disagree with a version of what I've heard uh, people in the yeshiva say uh, in earlier times. I don't know if they've changed their opinions, but I've heard people say that the Ramam here is quoting an Aristotelian proof, which is outdated. Okay, and that um, that of course the Rambam knew that like you know that that it's there's no guarantee that Aristotle's science is the real science. Um, and uh, and so he's just bringing it to show like a principle that you should basically find in your in your modern physics what the equivalent was in Aristotle's physics. Basically, in Aristotle's physics, there was no way to explain this. Is the, I'm, I'm still quoting the idea I heard. There's no way to explain the rotation of the 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 big celestial sphere, the Gagal ha Yomi or whatever. Um, uh, to sorry, PTSD trauma from my college year in 2020. Do you remember that? Yakov, you were there for that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, but, uh, and so, so that was like, a, uh, a, a thing that could only be explained through God. Uh, and so, so people who want to read the wrong this way, say we should find the equivalent in our physics now that can only be explained through God. So let's say it would be like the fine tuning of the, con- of the constants in the universe. Right. Okay. So that is one way to read the Rama, right. Um, I don't dispute the truth of any of those statements, but I do dispute that that's what the Rama meant. Um, I think that the Rambam, um, first of all, uh, it's possible that the Rambam did hold that this was uh, not a matter of science, that this was a matter of metaphysics, and that uh, Rambam knew that science changes, you know, um, but it's possible that he held that this was in uh, like a type of metaphysics that like this has to be a thing. But furthermore, I did find uh, a, this is a book, Edward, Ed, Ed Thesser. Five, yeah, Christian philosopher, five proofs of God, um, of the existence of God. So I haven't read the whole book. I only read the first two proofs. Um, uh, yeah, it's definitely good in some ways. Um, I mean, it's written by a Catholic, but so you can't (laughs) take everything. But uh, so he, what he is the first one who, um, who like convinced me that this is actually a philosophical proof, not a scientific proof, and it's the proof of the prime mover and. I don't know if you remember this, Ayala. I did an extremely condensed version of this uh, on a PowerPoint that I gave over to the ninth graders uh, that is showing it's a philosophical proof that is not dependent on scientific data. Um, and so I, I, I am like of the opinion that that's what the Raman meant, that he was Raman was not saying like, this is the best that my science can do. And, and you in the future will rely on your science. I think that the Raman was giving a philosophical proof and that he's and that that that's what he means. I'm not saying that he's saying that that's the only way to like know God, but he's giving this as like a, a philosophical proof. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Ellie and then, uh, and then Yaakov. Yeah. yeah. Do you mind just repeating exactly what the Rambam said and how it's understood? In this last part is, uh, I don't want to go into in depth, but he's basically, they had this idea that the earth is in the center of the universe. And then there's the lunar sphere with the moon embedded and then other spheres. And then there's a giant sphere. And these are spheres made of the fifth element. Um, and the motion of that sphere is what causes the motion of all the other spheres. So you can explain the motion of the lunar sphere by the sphere outside of it and so on and so on and so on. But then there's this idea that only a, um, 
a unmoved mover could move the 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 big sphere. It all sends back. It all sends back to that, and that's God. Yeah, yeah. And and I've heard people say that we know that it's not true now because we know the principle of inertia, which is an object in motion will continue. I don't know how to recite it. We'll continue in motion, an object in rest will stay at rest. You know. So Aristotle didn't have an idea of inertia. So so like Newton disproved Aristotle. So it's true that Newton disproved Aristotle. But not this, because I don't think Aristotle is talking about physics here. Even Newton, I think, though, other principles that he said, okay, this Ra- is Aristotle, wrong was quoted. What was that? Even Newton had certain uh, understand or lack of understanding that he said, like, okay, this part has the nature of the big stuff. Like, you know, right, yeah, 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 like definitely. Yeah, Yakov? Um, do you not need, though, a certain observational data where you do see a, a lack of you know, prime movement? Uh, you. All, okay, so I'll, I'll just give you a little teaser here. According to Fesser's interpretation of the, pro, the, the, the of the uh, the prime mover argument or whatever, uh, the unmoved mover, the only observational data you need is any example of change, yeah. and that what he says is people misunderstand Aristotle's proof because they think that he means motion, but in Aristotelian lingo, motion means change, and the idea is that you can't have any change without God, and so as long as you have any experience of change, like like that, then, uh, then, then that's all you need. Is that sounds with the first cause thing? I think that refers to many things. Yeah, I, I think there's different cause. proofs of that. Yeah, right. Yeah, already too far afield. I just thought I would clarify it because I have not taught this halacha in yeshiva um, since uh, I think since uh, 2020, and and uh, and I feel like you know you got to stop and explain these things. Yeah, tomorrow. I just want to clarify what what was the scope of this discussion we just had about this. Yeah, um, you're not really explaining what this proof is about, right? You're just I'm saying not. that I'm, I'm alluding okay. to yeah. a secret PowerPoint that I have that explains okay. it. Wait, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Okay, so but going back to the, the main point, what is the Rambam's main point? What, what if you could summarize in your own words what um, characterization of God the Rambam's trying to convey here? I mean, he does it in detail, but what's the, what, what is the point about God that he wants to make? I'm asking, sorry, I'm asking about the entire, the entire thing, not just that last part. Of what? Okay. Can you differentiate that from creator? Because famously, and Revy makes this point in the Yusuf Torah Shirim, uh, which hopefully we've all listened to, um, (laughs) uh, the, uh, that, that uh, he does not call God the creator here. This is not the idea of God as creator. And in fact, in the first Iker, sorry, in the 40, in the, in the 13 Ikarim, there are 40 Ikarim about God. Which Iker does God as creator belong to? There are 13 Ikarim and the first four belong, uh, are about God. Where, where does Ramon talk about the creation, uh, God's creation of the universe? It's not in the first Iker. It's in the fourth Iker, which is about God's uh, eternality and God being outside of time. So Ramon would allocate it there, not, not in the first one. So art scroll is wrong, by the way, uh, or not art scroll. Um, whoever wrote the Animamins in printed in the Sidurim, uh, I think they try to make it sound like the idea of God as the creator is in the first Icar, but according to the Ramam, it's not. It's in the fourth Icar. Hmm. So the idea that the Ramam is getting across is God as the uh, the independent source of all existence, uh, the independent cause of all existence, and us as contingent existences. Okay, which is different than the idea of creator. Okay, um, because again, I, I don't know. I don't know how much people know from the basics, but stop me if this is too basic. <laughs> Just say stop. The the wall in the shadow of Aristotle, right? Aristotle held that the universe was uncreated, but he held that it was caused by God. How can you have something that's created but not caused? So imagine a wall with a shadow. The shadow is caused by the wall, but the wall doesn't do an act of creating the shadow, it's like right? An of the it's an accident of, 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 of the primary existence. And so we held, Aristotle held that God is eternal and the universe is eternal, but the universe is dependent on God. But the universe is eternal in the sense that because God is eternal and God must create. He, uh, I mean, not must, but it's since, since creation is the... You act. can't call it creation according to Aristotle. Right. Um, other existences yeah. is a must if god exists. yeah is a consequence of god's existence the only question on that is like could he not fathom an existence outside of this universe i mean according to Aristotle, you can't disprove like that's a multiverse per se according to that i've never thought about that combination of uh things before. yeah i don't know i don't know yeah uh, that, that 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 i think would be too far afield i just wanted to say that that the idea here is that god is the 
the is is an intrinsic existence, so to speak, that our existence is is not intrinsic to us. We at one point we did not exist. We exist now, and at one point, then we won't exist, or at least our bodies won't exist. And if you get cars, then your soul won't exist either. You know, existence is endowed, a quality that is endowed to us. Whereas, um, uh, whereas with God, it, it, it is so to speak an intrinsic. God doesn't have attributes, but it's it's, it's it, God and existence are in inseparable, so to speak. You know, yeah, Ariel. So I'm just trying to understand, like, um, you know, with the with the shadow on the wall, meaning like we we're like the shadow. Yeah, like, the universe is the so shadow in ourselves. Like we we. I mean, the way you put it, like we, like other uh, beings must exist. Aristotle viewed it as God in the muscle is the wall and the shadow is the universe. Yeah. And, and what the shadow must result from the universe. Like if you have the, light. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you have a wall with a shadow, then like, then the wall has to cast a shadow and the wall, you can't have a wall without the shadow, you know, in this muscle. So, so that's why he held that the universe had to exist because of God's existence and they're both eternal and they're both unchanging, but the universe is dependent on God. And change occurs inside the universe. It's uh, uh, not real change. Okay. Yeah. Right. Not changes right. in the laws right. of nature. Right. That's why Aristotle denies right. miracles. Okay. So we're just the, we're just, we're, we're just the astronaut. I'm still trying to, according to Aristotle. Yeah. This is not going to Torah. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, I'm just thinking. Yeah, well, we hold like creation yesh me'ayin. We hold that God created the universe out of nothing. <laughs> See, this is what happens if you don't listen carefully in the uh, Torah. I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was just like a little confused. Yeah, Aristotle, Aristotle. Yeah, not Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeah, Bereshit bar looking at his arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Tamar? Can you just repeat again? Sorry, what the translation was of Matzoi Risha? Uh, first existence and first not in uh, chronologically, but uh, in existence or logically. The example I give is uh, the chronological order of courses at a meal is appetizer, entree, dessert. Okay, that's chronologically. Okay, but what's the first course logically or existentially? The entree. The entree, why? Because it's the most nutrition? No. Oh, the ethanol. It's the essence of the meal, but more so. But why not appetizer? Yeah, the definition of appetizer is that which prepares you for the meal. It appetizes you, right? Okay, so so you can't have you can't logically have an appetizer without a meal. So sometime next time, like you're on a date and and she just orders like an appetizer, say wrong and still not, you know, <laughs> illogical. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So in other words. Um, uh what do you call it? so uh so th- that's the difference between so chronologically appetizer comes first but then logically and existentially uh the entree comes first so here it's not saying that god is the first in time because not god's not in time it means that 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 the concept of a primary existence must come before any other existence and also god is the god himself is matsui rishon is the the underlying existence of all existence. That's what we call him hamakom. He's like the uh, substratum, to use terms that no one uses except in this yeshiva. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Tamar? Um, maybe this is too in the weeds, but are you making a difference between, distinction between like uh, primary existence and like uh, first in terms of causality? Is that the same thing or is that a different idea? I think, Okay, it's a different idea, but I don't know if I have the vocabulary or clarity to express the difference because there's there's I don't yeah. I I, I okay. I'll, I'll try saying there's causality in terms of dominoes, mm-hmm. right? Like this domino knocks over that domino that knocks over that domino. And then there's causality of like, um, I can't, I can't, I can't explain it right. Now. I got to, I got to review my my uh, my logics and metaphysics. Yeah. So sorry. So in terms yeah. of this right now, like, what are we doing right now with this? I'm so we're reviewing the Yisodi Yisodos. Oh, no, 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 yeah. So oh. we're reviewing it because we're being a Bachia reference it, and I wanted to look at the actual uh, the actual source. But you know, again, like. <laughs> I, I got. I got. I got to answer this. I, I always have to do this because, uh, you know, this is a dera. Um, thanks. 
So Ariel's asking two questions. <laughs> He's saying one question is, why are we, uh, what led us here? Okay, yeah. that's one kind of causality. He's also asking, but why are we doing this? Right, so this is, <laughs> so this is the, the Rambam, uh, the Rambam's derech, which Revi quotes a lot. And this, this is also my derech in teaching, because uh, the Rambam's derech in teaching. In the last Mishnah in Brachos, um, he, he, uh, he goes off on a tangent. Um, and he, we know this because he says it's a tangent. Okay, and at the very end, he says um, that um, this is not the place to talk about the subject. It was a tangent. Uh, my way, my derech, all the time in every place is whenever there is even a hint about matters of emuna, then I explain something of it. Okay. Uh, it is more important for me to explain any of the Yisodos than anything else that I teach, right? So the reason why I decided to go into this more in depth than I had planned is because this is the Yisoda Yisodos, so I felt like we should go through it more in depth. So that's the, the larger reason why we're doing this right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, okay. But now the question is, Ravina Bachia references that idea in his own language. Okay, but I think we can agree it's the same idea, right? And he just says it in his own language. The question is, why is he bringing this in here in terms of the idea of bracha? Right, I'll make this bigger, oops, so you can, uh, so you can see. Um, so just to say it again, right, by way of the shot on this subject, the blessings are not for the sake of, of God, but rather they're for the sake of humans. For since he is the source of blessing and all blessings derive from him, and no matter how many beings bless him, none of the blessings are worthy for, to him, for he is the primary existence who brought all existences into being, and they only exist because of his existence. And everything is dependent on him, and his existence is self-sufficient. He isn't dependent on anyone else whatsoever. And if all of them would bless him all day long and proclaim his praises all day and are not silent at night, what gain would he have in this? What could they give him? What could he take from their hand? There's no blessing or gain except for ourselves. So I, I know there's that other part, which is like Nishmas, ignore that for a second. Why does he, in, look at the way that the Abu Dhirim said the idea, okay, that he's the source of all blessings, and look at the way that Rabbeinu Bachia ben Asher said the idea. He's adding something by bringing in all these sentences. Question is, how does this affect our understanding of, of Baruch? Yeah, Ali. Um, I guess in that, similar to what we talked about in the Rambam, connected to Aristotle, right, it, it adds the component of um, instead of just saying that God is the source of these, all of these things, we're saying that we aren't the source. Of it. Like it's, saying it's a negative quality. Of us. Okay, that that is definitely true. I, I think you're you're on something the way you're thinking about it. Anyone else want to say or add? Well, I was gonna say something. Well, I mean, it seems like he's really focusing on the fact that it's really uh, for from our perspective, not from. Okay, yeah, that's something true. We'll talk about it in a second. Uh, that you're talking about this uh, this part again is for ourselves. And we can't help, uh, well, we can't do well, anything for him. Like they're for the sake of humans. Yeah. Uh, for since he is a source of blessing. Yeah, it just seems like he's just really focused on us. Like obviously we're not blessing God. It's for our. Right. Our- so, but, but that, that, that's what I'm asking is that that is the, uh, that point could be been made in the Abu Dhiram just by saying God is the source of blessings and he doesn't receive it from others. The Ben Baki is adding this whole Hilchus Yisodeh, Torah dimension. So I'm asking how does that change the idea? Well, I don't. I mean, just from the Buddha Ham, I don't know if you could really. I mean, you're, he, I mean from the Buddha Ham, you understand that God's a source of blessings, but but you don't really learn that um, that is really for our sake. That's true. You don't learn it from our sake. It's for our sake. But uh, so that's why I'm so acknowledging. You relate to it a little bit, right? Yeah, that's true. So I, let me let me make it clear. Let me let me do what I always do if I want to clarify something. Color code it. Okay. So yeah, the helps. the blessings are not for the sake of God. Okay, but rather they're for the sake of humans. Okay, that's a point here. There's no gain or blessing. What could they give him? What could he take from their hand? Um, okay, so all of that uh, is, okay, all of that is one point, okay? okay. I know people on the audio can't see. I'm asking, mm-hmm. what does he add with all of this stuff, all of the blue? For he, Since he is the source of blessing and all blessings derive from him, he is the primary existence who brought all existences into being, and they only exist because of his existence, and everything is dependent on him, and his existence is self-sufficient. He isn't dependent on anyone whatsoever. Oh. Uh, hold on a second. Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about this, um, that if he's brought up to, to the Abu Graham, he's saying, he's simply saying, not, not, not saying, yeah, yeah, right. a simple idea, but he's simply saying that God, he's saying what it is about, it says what it is that we're describing, Yeah, and he, and we're going to is calling out 
how that is true. Okay, how? I mean, he's showing that it's not just that God doesn't receive these things. Yeah. It's, that it's not possible for God to receive these things. Okay, that's a good point. Okay, that, that is actually a good point. Uh, I feel like there's one more more fundamental point, and this is the other side of the coin. Yeah, Ayala? I was going to say that I feel like the first one, Abu Jaham is looking at it in terms of like this specific bracha is from Hashem, yeah. whereas this is like a fundamental idea that we're recognizing when we say a bracha. Okay, what's the fundamental idea? You're right. That, that like every single thing is dependent upon Hashem. Okay. Maybe you guys are all thinking this. I feel like we're on the precipice. Yeah, tomorrow. I feel like I'm saying the same thing as everyone else, but uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay. I, I kind of think it's like you could have an accidental source of blessing or like yeah. a essential That's it. source of blessing. That's the idea. Okay. In other words, like this. If we just have the Buddha on, we would say, who is the source of blessing? Oh, is, is it that one? That one? No, it's that one. It's God, right? But the Brain is explaining why God is the cause of all existence and that's why he is the source of all blessing and 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 then the other side of the coin is what Kaim is saying which is that that because god is the source of all existence and anything that exists comes from god and is dependent on god therefore you can't give him anything because where would you have gotten it from other than from him you know so so abu dir as i would say obviously abu dir holds by these ideas but He's just explaining what the he's a function as a pirish on tefillah, like what the thing means. The Rebbe Bachman Asher is unpacking the philosophical premise of that, which is God is the Makor Habracha because he is the intrinsic existence. The Sodi Sarasva Amun Kachs, or the the he's the Mamsi Kol Hanimsa, You know, he is the only being who has intrinsic existence that everything else derives from. You know, so it's 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 supporting the. It's giving this philosophical underpinnings of the concept of Makor Habra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that point clear? And it's that's a tremendous thing to recognize because what it means is when you just, when you say Baruch Atah Hashem, I'll summarize it at the end, okay? Now let's go to the other point that, that you wanted to say, which is that we can't give him anything. So now we know why we can't give him anything, right? But then why are we saying this? We're saying it for us. Now, this is a premise that we know from Tefillah 101, right? That all Tefillahs are for us. But I think since the purpose of this year is to like shore up our kavana, right? Then there's a certain additional layer of absurdity and shame that you will get if you catch yourself mindlessly saying tefillos, okay? Because here's the thing is if you are mindlessly um, chopping vegetables, okay? The vegetables still get chopped, okay? If you're, if you're mindlessly, like you can even be mindlessly, like, I don't know, doing certain things that require some, uh, require like some level of intelligence, but the whole purpose of tefillah is to review ideas and apply them to yourself to change through them. Right. So if you catch yourself, like, you know, saying a bracha without thinking about it, which we all do, it's an absurd action because it's not only absurd, it borders on heresy. Okay. And I don't mean to say that you're actually a cover. What I mean is, is like. Like if I'm talking to, let's see, how would I put this? If I'm talking to you and I'm not listening to myself, then like, you're still, you're still like hearing what I'm saying. Okay. But, but, and it's affecting you in whatever way it affects you. If you're saying this to God, you're not affecting him at all. Cause the thing never was supposed to affect him. The only reason you're saying it is for yourself. You know, so it's like, like, I, I think this could be like a, uh, a, uh, uh, it's like converting every brother into a self tochacha machine, you know, of like, like I, I'm only doing this for myself and I'm acknowledging that by saying you are the Makor HaBracha, right? Like, like, and, and I'm not doing anything for you. I'm only doing this for me. Right. It yeah. turns every mindless action of a bracha into like a, into an act of insanity. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's that it's, it's almost like counterintuitive, right? To review an idea and really process it kind of requires a certain type of awareness and attention. Yeah. So, Otherwise, you're not reviewing it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say I'd say absurd because paradox gives it a certain amount of dignity that like, right. like, ooh, it's a paradox. Like it has to be like this. No, no, no. If you're doing something mindless and you're not being mindful, then that's called being an idiot. Like, you know, and we're all idiots when it comes to saying uh, Ruckus. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Right. So let's just summarize what we have so far. We have three ideas of Baruch. Right. First is the Pshat, which is that God is the Makor HaBracha. 
It's not a verb. You're not blessing God. You're saying he is the Makor Habrakos. Secondly, you're explaining why. Because he is the source of all existence. See, this is what I meant when I said uh, there's, uh, that this is a meat of a Kaddish Baruch On the one hand, it's a meat of a Kaddish Baruch in terms of action, that God does, he gives brachos to everyone. But on the other hand, Kaviachol, it is a mita of, of God's essence, right? I'm not saying that it's actually God's essence because then you would end up in the, with the eternal universe. Like God has to give bracha. He doesn't have to do anything. Um, but we call God hatov hametiv, right? That, 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 that existence is good. And like the only reason why God is the Makor bracha is because he's the cause of all existence, you know? So you are talking about something that is like, like, for example, we actually have a Shem Hashem that re- references this idea, which is Kel Shakai, right? Which means the God who is enough, right? And so the way that the Rabbah explains it, there's different opinions, because I'll say it's Mish Amr Le'olam Odai, the one who said to his world enough, which is reference to fine-tuning, uh, according to Rabbi Fader, uh, <laughs> his explanation. But, um, but the Rabbah says it's the being who has enough existence for himself and for, uh, for others, you don't even have enough existence for yourself because you don't endow yourself with existence. But it's like, I mean, it's, it's literally the words that Rabbi Bakhi just used that he, his existence is self-sufficient, right? Um, and, uh, and therefore, uh, uh, and, and that's why he can give existence to other things. So it's like referencing to this idea that all bracha comes from God. So, that, so that's the second idea in saying bracha. And then the third idea is because he's the Makora brachos and can't receive them from you and all the brachas you have are from him and you can't give anything to him because he's independent existence. Therefore, when you say Baruch, you're, you're reminding yourself that this is all for me, that this is itself, uh, you know, for my benefit, which we'll get to uh, in a later share. Yeah, Ayala? So I'm not sure if this is too broad of a question for now, yeah. but like, I feel like how does the idea of gratitude to people fit into this? Like, is that merely like a psychological thing? Like it makes people feel good or like, is there some truth that we are recognizing that people can do good and good it's question. not? Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like I have to take that up in a Stoke Jew podcast episode because I, I, uh, I, 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 yeah, it is a good question because you're saying because people are ultimately only able to do good because of God, right? Um, it's like that puzzle can tell him uh, in, in Hallel that we reference from time to time <laughs> uh, in, in this. Uh, hold on a second here. Ha Lil is Sinkuvirchas. Um, one of these Pesukim we always quote about Isn't this Kuftes Zion? I, that's right. I can't remember what I'm thinking about. Oh, no, no. Uh, about Hashem Li Be'ozrai. Is that in 118? I think that's... Right there. Thank you. Hashem Li Be'ozrai. Hashem is with me through my helpers. And Radak says, Hashem imi hu imi hu imozrai v'lo yihye b'oi v'ai koch l'ayrali. Is this a bad Radak? Okay, I don't know. But there's this idea that we referenced before. Oh, wait. Yeah, here we go. Tova lachas I guess it wasn't on that puzzle. Um, uh, he says al derech shamar yirmiya. So the puzzle says tov lachas b'shem b'tov b'indivim. Better to uh, to take refuge in Hashem than to trust in in nobles. Tov lachas b'shem al derech shamar yirmiya umin Hashem yasur libo. So he's quoting Yirmiya that says aruha giver asher yiftak ba'adam. Cursed is the man who trusts in in man. The sam basar zero and makes. Fle- uh, 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 flesh is strength. Umin Hashem and he turns his heart away from Hashem. So it sounds like he's saying trusting in human beings is bad. But then he says, ba'adam." Rather, if you trust in a person, yasim ha'ikar bakel, you should make the essence of your trust be in God. Shiyitin adam hanadiv that God uh, literally places in the heart of the person to help you. It doesn't mean God controls their mind, but it means that any like willingness that the person has uh, to help you is because of God, right? So. Just that's the short answer to your question, Ayala, which is that gratitude to a person recognizes them as a chain in the uh, cause and effect, and they did have pechira, right, to be able to help you, 
but ultimately all Hakar still has to go to God. Like the best model is with your, uh, with keep it up aim, like the Sefer Chinooks idea that you recognize that your parents are the cause of your existence and they raised you and you have Hakar Satov, but then that leads you to recognize that, oh, they only were able to have you because of their parents and their parents are going all the way back to God. Sure. So it's, it's a thing. Others should be a vehicle of bringing you to gratitude towards God. That's what I would say off the cuff. Yeah. Maybe I may say last question, but like, um, it's a question like when you think when, when you give gratitude to other people yeah like, like the, what, what's, really what's the deal with that does it make any is it just a social thing because given the fact that everything comes from god what's the, the sense in thanking other people so I, i'm saying there yeah there's definitely is a, a mitos tobos thing of thanking other people but i'm saying it also thanking other people is a vehicle for recognizing that god is the cause of all good well there's an agana like that yeah the, 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 uh, right right is uh is he says don't thank me like yeah. they thank him and you say thank the one who this came from yeah right okay i think it's a good stopping point for today we only got through a third of the baruch sources <laughs> okay but i think like I, I think there's real idea density here and because you say baruch at least a hundred times a day if you're fulfilling halacha, you know probably more because it's also in like psukim um then uh you got bracha arichtas we're saying on both ends <laughs> that i think this is this idea has a lot of mileage right uh that that if we have these ideas so here's your homework, okay? In one bracha each day, think, review this idea, okay? And I think you'll get better results if you designate which bracha you're, you're, uh, you're gonna do this for. It could be, for example, like, you know, the, uh, the first bracha I make in the morning, right? It could be like the first bracha on food I make. It could be the first bracha of the Shemona Ezra. Pick one bracha and make that a bracha where you think about these ideas, these three ideas, Every time you say, you know, just the first time you say that bracha and then see if, see if, it, if it helps. Okay. And then we'll branch out as we go. Okay. All right. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewos at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.